Welcome to, well, that fucked me up. It really did. A podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And each week we're going to be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing events. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Which is flipping awesome. Yeah. Because we're all about that. We're all about listening to people's stories about adversity and trauma and, and crazy stuff. I think there really is something for everybody. There's many, many topics, many, many guests, people that really have got through uh, some extraordinary things. Please share the love, share the show, get in touch, follow us, subscribe, click. We're trying to make it easy and open for people to discuss things that may normally feel tricky to do so. Um, We've been on an extraordinary journey and we're glad you can join us. Enjoy the show. I'm not recording through Zoom. We're just recording audio. Okay. But good good that we can see each other because that makes for more fun, I think. So I'm just going to do an intro, a little bit of preamble, and we'll we'll kick off the chat. It'll it'll go well. I love these things, so it's going to be good. Okay, perfect. Okay, on board. let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of, well, that fucked me up. I am your host, Luke Colson, and today we're joined by Bavia Gore. Did I get that right? Yes, Bavia Gore. And where's that name from, Bavia? I am originally from India. Cool. Very good. Whereabouts in India? Uh, from New Delhi. Oh, that's so cool. right the heart of India. Yeah, I'll <laughs> say. That's amazing. I've visited India a few times. It's quite an experience, isn't it? It's, a, it's an amazing place. The culture is yeah. so different. That's the thing I found. It's just like a whole different world. But I guess that's what the globe's all about, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's very different. You know, it's uh, um, Eastern culture, which is very different from the Western. So yeah. coming from the Western world, I, I you know, people uh, see a lot of difference. So mm. and that's what keeps it interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And tell us where you're situated now. I am uh, in Canada now. Cool. I moved to Canada from India 23 years ago. Well, I have a feeling that might be all part of your story. So let us dive in. Um, The podcast is all about surviving and navigating life-changing events and experiences. All our guests have had everything from like a one-off experience to an ongoing experience to a whole bunch of different things to things that happened when they were young to physical, um, mental diagnosis, illness, abuse, relationships, all the things that make us who we are and what we like to do is focus not just on that story but the path through it and the path out of those experiences you know so with that where would you like to begin i would say let's begin at the beginning my favorite place (laughs) and i and and I'd say 80% of our guests say, let's begin at the beginning. Some people choose to start now and work their way back. And one um, lady wanted to start at the birth of her star self in the galaxy. So there we go. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) It's amazing. So I I think you just gave me an idea. (laughs) So what I will do is let me start from where I am Mm, because then kind of retracing where it all began, I think will make it more, you know, uh, the listeners can put it in context. And I think, yeah, that's something that'll give them a good 
takeaways from the story. Right. So currently, currently I am in Canada for the last 23 years. Mm. And I literally started my life from scratch here. Wow. I did not know anyone here. I came as a tourist. Wow. Yes. And I did my research. Yeah. I looked at universities and schools and everything. And then I chose to stay here as a student. Yep. Because that gave me, at that time, five points towards immigration. Interesting. Did you have to go back and then apply and come back? Or once you were here, you could apply as a student and stay here? No, actually, I had to go outside of Canada. I went to Michigan and I applied for a study visa. And of course, I had to do some stuff before that, you know, go to different universities and colleges and Mm. get all the information and what were the prerequisites, what I needed. So, but Michigan is where I applied for my study visa. And um, it's funny how I was just going to say it's funny how, because as an, as an, you know, expats and immigrants and obviously someone who's from England that now lives in the US, the whole visa of it all is so confusing, isn't it? Because you can't change your or update or apply for a new visa whilst in the country where you reside, where you have an existing visa. And often you have to go back and find a, an embassy or, you know, we, there's all sorts of things. And there was a, I know some people that had to go and pick up their American they had to go pick up their U.S. visas on their British passports from somewhere with a British embassy that was valid. And they went to the West Indies or something like that to pick up their. And it's like well, the, the rules and the regulations are crazy, aren't they? Yeah, it's like you go in circles, but still, you know, you're trying to catch hold of your ear, whether you go from this side or from the other side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. So you went to Michigan and then you had to get back here. Um, yeah, so I got my um, study visa for, from there. I studied here for two years as a full-time student because that is what gave me the five points. And then I applied for a work visa, mm. which I was on for one year. And uh, in the meantime, I had already hired a lawyer mm. and uh, my green card or immigration was in progress. So by the time my work visa expired, I had my permanent residency. That was so. incredibly <laughs> well planned and executed, by the way. Uh, uh, my st- my, and, um, mine wasn't quite Luke, so it was easy. Not, it was not planned. Ah, well, no, it, it wasn't planned, but you seem to manage to join up the dots quite well. So that eventually, just when your the study finished, the work started and the work finished, you had the, the green card, which is... Amazing, because I know I know how that is. Like living on that knife edge of you know, my visa was running out and my green card hadn't come through, so I had to apply for an extension on my visa. And all this stuff costs money as well, you know. And it's quite terrifying when you've got a family here, where in the US, where I am, and you you know, if if your visa runs out or you lose your job, you got you're out. Bye. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I completely agree. Mm. But my story was a little bit different because I did not know anyone here. Yeah. And that's right. why I wanted to start from here. And mm. uh, 23 years, fast forward, mm. where I am now, mm. I am a certified uh, life mastery coach. Mm. And I have worked here in the corporate world in Canada. Mm. And in 2013 is when I chose to 
jump out of that corporate culture Mm. so I could become an entrepreneur. So Mm. I have been, um, you know, I'm a small business owner mm-hmm. and I, by God's grace, I have been thriving. I'm doing well. Wow. I, the way I have empowered myself, I'm actually helping others do the same. So this is where I am now. Yeah. Now we're going to go. All the now, way back. It's a flashback. Tell time. me, tell me that date again. You cut that funny enough. Your uh, internet just cut out when you said you chose to leave the corporate world when it was at 2018, you just said. Uh, 2013. Oh, 2013. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, good. 2013. Yeah. Okay, yes. let's go. Yes. Let's go back. Let's travel back in the time machine. Okay. So going back, um, uh, abuse was a pattern in my life. Oh, I'm sorry. I was sexually abused as a child. Mm. And I am on the right side of 50. So, mm. you know, mm. that's a long time ago. Yep. And that was time when nobody talked about any of this these were taboo subjects yeah so um as i was and i was really really um young i was in grade two oh goodness gracious me what is that eight eight years old or something like that does that make sense yeah or maybe even younger than that but that is what i remember but maybe it was younger yeah maybe six or seven that is yeah gosh oh goodness And I had no idea. And I thought, because nobody talked about all of this, we didn't have TV. There was no TV, internet, nothing like that. We didn't have TV at home at that time. Um, So I thought there was something wrong with me. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's just awful. Because, you know, looking at these adults that you look up to and you call uncle and, you know, like, and kind of listening or following what you were being told because, even though your instinct tells you there's something wrong about it, yeah. but you are brought up in a culture where you are told you have to respect the oh, elders. Yeah. You as you're told. Yeah. Coming from there, so and this continued till I was in university. Blimey. Was it multiple different people that were were, were yes. causing the, the abuse? And that was something you just didn't know to how to process or deal with or realize that you had that the or the I was about to say the ability to stop it you just didn't know how to speak out about it didn't know how to speak about uh, speak out about it mm. um didn't know who to talk to yeah because i thought there was something wrong with me so oh. i was doing something wrong to invite that kind of behavior yeah yeah, that's tough, isn't it? I'm really feeling that. That's just awful. Yeah, and um, I spoke up when I was in university because I was like, you know, this is it. Like, you know, I, I, I don't... I felt... I was at that point where I felt like, you know what? I don't care about any of this. Yeah. But I will not it anymore. Yeah. Did you... Well, what do you think was the turning point for that realization that it was time to speak out? And had you met people along the way? Did it had it become more le- less taboo? And had had you heard stories, or had you heard from people who had been no. in similar situations? No, actually, no. I mean, wow. um, during those times um, in India, it okay. used to be very conservative. Yeah, the culture is very conservative. Um, 
And just to kind of give you an example, and this is when I was, uh, when all this was going on, but I was still, still in school. Mm. So I was still very young. I remember asking one of my cousins and it was a simple question. I just wanted to know where children came from. Like, yeah. It's common. Like now, you know, even now, yeah, you know, children course. ask these questions. Yeah. Because um, when I was being abused, I, a part of of what I remember I was being told was this is normal. Everybody does this. Oh my gosh. <sighs> yeah, that's just... So I was made to like, you know, your parents did it. Everybody does this. Mm. So I now, because we didn't have access to books or any, like there was no information available yeah. for any of them. Yeah. So I actually look, I always wanted to be invisible. Yeah. Because I felt if people see me, that is not safe for me. Interesting. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, when men looking at me, yeah. I used to cringe because I was like, oh, my God, you know, like I, I just I wanted to be invisible. Yeah. I mean, talk about like, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but like the, the title of the podcast is that fucked me up. And it's like, if ever there was something that was going to mess you up, do you know what I mean? It's like. That, that age, you know, mm -hmm. I have two boys and they're precious to me and I will mm -hmm. do anything to protect them. And to think mm -hmm. that a child should go mm -hmm. through that. Right. And I know this is happening around the world, but but then also to start to believe that you're the reason for it. And then all yeah. through your teenage life and into university, it's it's the years that you're meant to be like growing and enjoying yourself and learning and thriving and you had like yes. the complete opposite experience yes bloody hell yes i was like uh it was like and in, become invisible mm. do not do anything that will put any attention on you yeah and so growing up like this and still, you know, kind of um, struggling with the idea, like, how do I need to be to not attract this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I finally spoke up when I was in university because the same uncle had come home to stay overnight. Oof. And that's when I felt like I think I got so angry. Mm. That was the anger that helped me speak up. Yeah. And, you know, at night, he came into my room and he begged me. Wow. In my own house. Wow. So that was it. I told him to get out of the room. Yeah. And obviously, I did not sleep. I was like very oh conscious, very aware. You know, I didn't want anybody entering my room. Of course. So in the morning, when, you know, everybody woke up and all. So uh, my dad, <clears throat> obviously, he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And again, coming from the culture where, you know, in the morning you greet the elders, yeah. you, you greet everyone, yeah. but the elders, you show more respect to them and all. So I ignored this person completely. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad noticed it. Yeah, and he said, why didn't you wish um, uncle a uh, good morning? And for the first time I said, because I don't want to. Oh, yeah. And my mom felt there was something going on. Mm. So this person, he left early. Yeah, he left he without did. any breakfast tea or anything. He left early. He didn't want to stick and around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like, oh, it's trouble. 
<laughs> so then because of my tone and the anger, I, I guess they could see that I was angry. Then uh, my mom asked me what's, what happened. Yeah. And I said, you should ask him. You want me to respect the people who don't know how to treat girls? They can do anything and they can get away with it. Like I was so, I yeah. think it was like a volcano. In that incredible. In. Incredible. <laughs> so, um, and that was it. And then my father, that was the end of it. After that, that person never came home. My mother was so pissed off. I bet she was. She, and even then we didn't talk out clearly. It mm. was, you know, her instinct. She, yeah. she got what, exactly. you know, what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she, um, you know, I'm sure my both my parents had a conversation. I don't know. But after that, that person never came home. Goodness gracious. That was it. Yeah. And now I'll move to, the, to another level of abuse that started. Because, see, when we are coming from that place, we're already coming from a place of lack. Because we feel we're not enough. There's something mm. wrong with us. Mm. Yeah. And then we start attracting relationships that yes. are abusive. Yeah. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, we've had, um, in fact, most recently I had a, a lady on who had got out of a 16-year emotional um, abusive relationship with a, with a right, like, full-on narcissist who was gaslighting her, having affairs, making it that she was her problem, making her making sure she didn't see her friend, like manipulating her. She finally saw the light. She got out. And then what happened? She, the next relationship mm -hmm. got into, exactly the same mm -hmm. thing happened because that was the person that she had. And with, but with this time within months rather than years, she was like, wait a second, I'm not doing this again, you know, and found the strength and her found her own inner you know, strength to realize what was happening. But isn't that an extraordinary thing that you continue to attract mm -hmm. the abu the abuser? Is that a fair thing to say? Um, I would think so. Yeah. It, it is. So now it was a different type of abuse. It was more of um, emotional. Yeah. And I had... Um, you know, people would think that that time <clears throat> in India, it would be arranged marriage. I did not have an arranged marriage. Mm. Um, and during those times, love marriage was not that common. Interesting. So I met this person, my ex, you know, we went through divorce. Mm. So I, I met him and um, what drew me towards him was that he had donated his kidney to his older brother. And I thought that was something so magnanimous. Yeah. You know, how, you know, giving a, a part of your body, your organ, one of the organs yeah. of your body yeah. to somebody else. I was like, wow, you wow. Know, that, that is what impressed me. And um, we got married. Now, this was an abuse of different kind um, because coming from India and, you know, we have to keep that in perspective, you know, the times and yep. the, the culture and yeah. the setup. Um, it was a different, uh, he was from a different religion. Right. Wow. And small things started. His family did not like me. Yeah. Because of the, because, because of the religious beliefs. 
because of the religious yes, beliefs, yes. yes. And oh. also, I was a flight attendant by that time. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so flight attendants are like, oh, you know, they're like, you know, yes. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They, tra- <laughs> they travel around a bit, let's say. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. So um, now a different kind of abuse started mm. because, again, going back to that cultural thing, there was, um, you know, in morning you go you you touch their feet mm. you know your um, in-laws feet as a sign of respect yeah. and they bless you yeah so this was this like a ritual you know wow. that happens in india yeah it still does that's amazing and when i used to um you know touch their feet my mother-in-law used to you know when you pick somebody up because they're bending in front of you mm. touching your feet mm. when you pick them up then you know you bless them yeah. and you hug them yeah. or, you know you tap on their back or something yeah. I used to hear curses. No way. Yeah. Wow. So that's how my day used to start. And they felt that I, because of, uh, you know, I was a Hindu. Yeah. He was a Sikh. <clears throat> he was a Sikh, And right. also, it's a long time ago. And now, you know, all the, you know, interracial. Uh, yeah. Cultural. Everything is normal now, but yeah. it was not. Enough. Is it? But it's. It is and it isn't. Right? There's obviously still like everywhere in the world. There's still part. There's still rel- people within certain religions that absolutely frown on interreligion marriage. But I guess that will always be the case, won't it? Around the globe. Yeah, but it's and much hopefully, more you know, it changes. Now. Yeah. Hopefully, people's minds open up. Yeah. My, my family yeah. history goes all the way back to Egypt. My mum's half Egyptian. My grandmother was fully Egyptian. And so all the way back, mm. we had Muslims, Jews, Christians. It was, oh, it was, a, it was awesome. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think we take the best out of all. Right? And, you know, We've all got something to learn yeah. from each other. Exactly. <laughs> so the abuse yeah. started from the in-laws. From the in-laws side. And uh, there were times when, you know, I'm really talking about, um, you know, people trying to beat you up also. So (laughs) from emotional going on to the physical. Yeah. And I was married for nine years. I have two beautiful daughters. That's nice. And it just, that's where it was when I got married. But then it started building up. And finally, I think the last row for me was when my husband, ex-husband, he started um, beating me up. Get the fuck so out that of here. Yeah. Jesus. With the kid, with, after, you'd, after, after you'd had the kids? Yes. Oh, my God. It was after I had the kids. Come on. And um, why, like how I got the courage, and I think this is the peak of my story, is how I got the courage actually to decide that I did not want to stay in that relationship. Mm. My, um, I still remember my older one was almost four. Mm. And my younger one was two and a half year old. Two and a half, wow. And this was the time that my ex, um, he beat me up. And when I'm saying beat me up means, you know, um, kicks and, um, you know, punches yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And my older one, she was trying to protect me. Oh, goodness gracious me. It's like a scene from a movie, isn't it? Horrible. She was trying to um, 
um, protect me with, you know, little body, like mm. trying to shield me from his blows and his kicks. And because obviously, you know, she was in the way. He couldn't yeah. do anything. He picked up the younger one who was two and a half and he left. And before he um, he left, he called my mom and he said that uh, if you want to see her alive, take her away. And he took the little one saying, now I will see how you will not come begging after me. That is a crazy motherfucker right there. Like he'd lost his mind. What, yeah. What's... <clears throat> not to dwell on that's harrowing what what's why <laughs> like what was the catalyst for him he'd, he'd come from a yeah. horrific upbringing like what is that normal in the okay like what's wh- why i mean you might not have a why he might have just been an asshole yeah but yeah no there there was a, there was a why because he was not like this before that yeah. but here I was, I was the breadwinner for the family. I was working, I was bringing in money. And his, he was in his family business. So his family, who never liked me from the beginning, mm. was working with them. So even though he was going there, there was no money coming in. Right. It was, maybe it was not a well-run business. Yeah. I don't know at that time, you know, because I was working and I had a nine-to-five job. Yeah. I was not thinking about, you know, what he's doing. Yeah. It came to the point, like, he had a lot of uh, his parents and all were telling him, oh, you know what, you are just, she is the one, uh, she wears the pants in the house, uh, so she's the one who's running the household. In, so, in his I mean, they like played that. on his male ego, yeah. um, you know, somewhat. Yeah. yeah. And it came to the point where, we so there was an incident that happened before it. Um, we didn't have any water supply, and I, our water supply got cut off because there was some construction work right. that the municipality had done yeah. when I was at work. So right. I was at work means when I used to go to work, both my children used to go to a daycare. Yeah, and my ex used to drop us off and then go to his parents' house, where which was supposed to be their office. Right. So there was nobody at home. The other neighbors, they were there. So their supply came back, but somehow ours was not turned on. Right. So we didn't have any water and yeah. we were on the second floor. Oof. And with small kids, you know, you need water. Of course. So I asked him to go to the neighbors and bring water from there. Mm. And he said, oh, I don't know how many days this will go on like this. Let's go and stay at your parents' place. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. Because after we got married and he tried to make it work, and I got pregnant, so I was not working during that time, we literally had no rent to pay, and my parents had taken us in. Wow. I didn't want to repeat that same thing again. Yeah. Because... This was a marriage of my choice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now there was music, so I... (laughs) There's some pride there as well, isn't there? I think we're all all proud people. So you're like, we've done that. I've used up that favor. Let's not do that again. Especially when you can just go and get some water from the neighbors downstairs, you know? (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, in, in India, and I don't know how things are now. I've been out of there for a long time. But when something is like this, your parents support you. Yeah. I was not paying any money to them. Yeah. They were taking care of, of us completely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I didn't want that. 
And I said, no, we don't. Please get water from there. We're not going back because we stayed with my parents for two years. Mm, wow. So that is when I think it's also all that, that, you know, um, you listen to her, she brings in the money. Yeah. All of that kind of maybe, you know, that is what triggered him. Yeah. But I've never seen that side of him. Of him. It was like, um, you know, a monster. Something, something sparked. Something went off in his brain. Yes. Yes. Wow. And he continued because I guess, and I was sitting numb. So I was not reacting because, yeah. you know, when you're so numb, you don't like... I didn't even realize that and I didn't feel any pain or anything because it was not sinking in at that time. Yeah. Shock, I guess, as well. You know. Shock. Yeah. And sitting there just and as an observer, even though you're getting beaten up. Wow. God. But I was very aware of my daughter trying to protect me. Of course. But still very numb and seeing what's happening. Like he's literally picked up the younger one. Oh, my God. And he took her. So this is when, and even not, so this is very funny, Look, it's actually not funny, but now that I think about it, like I sat there numb and suddenly it's like, so he leaves, he takes a younger one with mm. him. And then my daughter comes, she hugs me tight and she says, don't worry, mama, I'll take care of you. Oh. It was then that suddenly everything kind of like then i went in like oh my god what yeah. just happened yeah yeah she kind of like brought you back to the real world with those words yes yeah. and then i'm like i mean looking at like imagine a four-year-old feeling that responsibility that she has to take care of her mom and witnessing all of that what yeah. happened yeah so what's next he leaves with the two and a half year old you're you're beaten up your four-year-old's traumatized and we can talk about that down the line but that can't have been good for her to witness no and then because before he left she called my mom so my mom comes here you know reaches there in panic mode mm. because it took her 40 minutes to reach she mm. was not their house was not close by mm. so when she comes she's like oh my god what happened and yeah. then she said no i'm not leaving you here you're coming home with yeah. me and i'm like don't worry about it I'm paying the rent for this place. Yeah. And I didn't want to go back and be a burden on my parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, I fought with them when I wanted to marry. Yeah, him. I understand. So I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so, but she said, no, I don't want to leave you here. And what if he comes back and there's all this drama yeah, and all. So exactly. I didn't want to leave you here. Yeah. So I went home with my mom. And my dad had just come back from work. And I guess um, somebody told him what was going on. Mm. I still remember. He opened the door. He just stood there with his arms wide open. And he just hugged me. Oh, wow. No words spoken. I didn't, you know, um, normally you would think that a parent was there. We told you so. Yes. It was not the right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well done, yeah. dad. The power of dad in that moment. Yeah. You know? Yes, wow. Yes. But, you know, if I have to say this, um, because, you know, with abuse and all, and, you know, the physical sexual mm, abuse and all, mm. I would say my, my dad was the role model wow. of, you know. Yeah. Like always there with his gentle presence. Incredible. Incredible. Not asking questions, yeah. not pushing me. Yeah. At that time, he knew, you know, like he yeah. could sense or feel what I was going through. 
Yeah. It's very easy, so, isn't it, to react in the wrong way or want to, want the answers or get mad or blame you or blame him or I want revenge or, you know, God, there's so many emotions. Yeah. So to stay calm in that moment, because often yeah. the irrational thought that's racing through our head in that moment is not the correct r- route and decision to make, you know, so good on him. Yes. So he was, um, and that's what I, I say, you know, he was my um, anchor. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was, um, so um, next day, because now both the sisters are separated, right? And I didn't want that. Because they both were so young. And next day I called him. And I called him and I said, you know, whatever happened between us, let's put that aside. Mm-hmm. Can you please let both the sisters talk? Yeah. But he refused. Oh, wow. I said, no. I, I will see now. And this is what he said. I will see now how you won't come begging. Oh, God, what's wrong with him? I'm so annoyed with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my younger one, she, you know, uh, and a, another extension. You mm. know, this is the time when you, we had those phones, you yeah. know, those, um, yeah. where you have to, oh, like, yeah. use your finger to punch in the numbers. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the, the round ones. The you know, rotary where you, ones, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. yeah. So those, what are we in phones. the early, the late 90s? Um, uh, more, yeah. Or, yeah. or the, like the, the cusp yeah. of the 2000s. Something there, right? As my brain is where um, we are. It would be, I would say, late 90s. Yeah, cool. I'm tracking. Late 90s. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my older one is turning uh, 29 in March. Got it. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah. So that oh, it was around the so, same yeah, no, time, mid nineties, mid, you know? mid to late nineties. Yeah. Gosh. But yeah. the, before the mobile yeah. phone existed even. Wow. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so my younger one picked up one of the extensions and I heard her mama, like, you know, oh. I heard oh. and I was like, Oh, hi baby. And he told her to keep the phone down That's and she put it down. So I was like, please was like, no, Oh my god! So it was. Um, I tried. I tried calling a couple of times, and yeah. then suddenly this thing because now I was doing it for my daughters. Yeah, of course you were. Bloody hell! So I went and I talked to a lawyer, and my whole goal was to bring the younger one back because I didn't want the do- sisters separated. Yeah, I got a very good lawyer. Um, they, I think it was, it's called habeas corpus or something. Right. Um, so we straight away went to high court and um, the goal was to bring the daughter back. Yep. And uh, when we did this, I guess they were not expecting it. His family. Yeah. They were not expecting it. Yeah. This, so uh, his lawyer reached out to me and because he was a family friend, I knew him. Yeah. Because he was, you know. Yeah. Because I was a of course, part of that of course. family. Yes. And he said, you know, don't you think you're exaggerating a little bit? I said, you know, I understand you are the lawyer, but for a moment, look at it from, you have known me, Mm. right? Mm. Look at it from that perspective Mm. and you tell me, because I have never gone, said anything to anyone. Yeah. 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 And then he said, I'm so sorry. I don't know this family. You know, they're just like that. Yeah. But right now it's about, you know, dragging everybody in the court. Yeah. And all. I said, that is not my intention. No. I'm just saying, please let me talk to my younger daughter. Yeah. Please do not. Like I have tried, but he won't even allow both the sisters to talk. Yeah. 
And that's why you're so that's why you're in the courts. If he'd have said, "Sure, exactly. let's work it out and figure out what custody looks like and get the kids back together," sure, but he's not. He's not, and so he understood the yeah. lawyer. He understood. He yeah. said, "Okay, what if I convince them to give her back to you? Will you withdraw the case?" I said, "Absolutely." Yes. Yeah. So I said, my I, my goal is not. I'm not there to sling mud at him. Yeah, or, you just want you know, your kids back like, together. I'm not there to wash the dirty yeah. laundry laundry out in public. Yeah. But it's for a different cause. You're like, I don't want both the sisters separated. Yeah. So he agreed, and then one day before the court hearing date, my younger one was returned. Wow, this is like a fucking movie. Have you written a book about this, by the way? This is like a yes. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Because I'm like, I swear, I'm like, I'm. You know, it's early for me here, and I haven't even started my working day, and I feel like I'm watching a, like the best Netflix documentary I've seen in years. I'm, I'm on, the, I'm on the edge of my seat with all this stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> Sorry. So carry on. So you got your um, two and a half year old was returned to you. So that's wonderful. Yes. So she was returned, and then. Um, once that is there, I still tried to make that relationship work. So next day wow. I went to the court. The judge asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I'm, um, I'm withdrawing the case because my daughter has been returned to yep. me. So that case was closed. Yeah. But then I still tried to make it work because I was Gosh. like, you know, in that guilt yeah. that, oh, you know, um, both uh, children need both parents and all. So I was yeah. trying to make it try hard. But the things were, so he would come and he would take us out once a week. He would take us out for lunch and then we go to a park or something where the girls would play and then he was dropping us off. So this is not how, he was not still taking um, responsibility. He was an absent father at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think uh, the whole thing that, yes, now I want a divorce came because my older one was to go to school, but I was not able to pay her fee. Because I was with all of this, and of oh my God, his he came for from an affluential family, right? Influential family. Yeah. Um, his father um, knew people. Yeah. Like you know, he studied at, at Oxford, so yeah. his father knew people. Yeah. And those were times only very few handful of people used to leave the country to study abroad. Yeah. Wherever I worked, somehow he knew somebody. And the minute the people's, you know, like at five in the evening, I was asked, oh, can you please put together this report? I want this first thing in the morning. And there's no way I can do that. I have to reach out to people around the world. No way. People in different time zones. And I know I cannot do it. When I, when things shifted, I knew that, you know, he was at play. Or That's now, unbelievable. He's making your, life, making your life a misery. It was then that I, um, so I didn't have a job. Yeah. I was literally, you know, taking my daughters, dropping them to school, waiting. Yeah. And then bringing them back home. Yeah. This is what my life was for a couple of months. And it came to the point where I didn't have the money to pay for her tuition. Yeah. So I I asked him, he said, don't worry, I'll give you the, I'll get the money and I'll send it to you because he was not, not contributing anything. Came to the point where... I had to keep her at home because I could not pay her fee. 
And then on the phone, he told me that I don't have the money. Why don't you sell your jewelry? And I was like, okay, <laughs> how much of jewelry do you think I have that I can put them to school? You know, in school? Yeah, yeah, great. I'll sell my jewelry and I'll be a millionaire and I can put all my kids in education. Yeah, yeah that's hilarious. And that was it. My mother overheard. And she, because I had not told them, right. and she overheard. And then she came to me and she said, oh, were you talking to him? Were you begging him for yeah. money? I said, no, I was not begging him. But he was supposed to give. And she said, oh, that is why you are not sending her to school. Yeah. And I just started crying. Yeah. Because I kept her at home for a week. Oh, God. And my mom immediately called my dad. So he went, he paid the fee. And that's how she started going back to school. But this for me was it. Yeah. That's when I told him that I am filing for divorce. Yeah. If we do it mutually, yeah. it'll be better. Yeah. But and even then, he made it very difficult. Even for a divorce with mutual consent, it took us two years. Yeah. Because he never used to show up whenever there was a court Mediation hearing. and stuff. God. And um, the uh, the judge put a condition because the girls were small. The mm. judge said, you both, the parents are young. I want to make sure the girl's future is secure. So he wanted uh, some monies, like a fixed deposit, yeah. put aside in the girl's name. Yeah. He told the father to do it. Oof. He said he doesn't have the money. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, um, you know, fast forward. Yeah. That was, that was when I felt, because in India, I felt all the walls were closing in. Yeah. And I asked my uh, parents, I said, would you please take a gamble on me? And... I got my visas mm. and that is when I came to New York for the first time to try if there was a possibility mm. of me moving out of India and giving my daughters a better life. That's, it's so, it's such an amazing story. So you went, did you say you went to New York for the first, is that what I heard? First, yes. So that's the first, two, that was your, oh, I mean, that is quite the deep dive, isn't it? It's probably a lot smoother and calmer where you are in Ontario in Canada than New York is like talk about into the what's it called the lion's den what did you think of New York when you saw that for the first time isn't it nuts there isn't it um, it was uh, suddenly everything was like wow because you know you only watch it in movies yeah, yeah. and I used to watch the movies on theater like you know the big theater yeah. that we used to go to um so, look, there's something um, else I want to share in this with you. I had no idea what was the difference between a nickel and dime. Mm. But now when I went there to survive, because, you know, with $500, yeah. how can you survive in yeah. a city like New York? Yeah. I got a job on cash and that also at a dollar store. It's wow. all about the nickel and dime. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. So... I and people were, and that is where I do. I'm. Um, I do spiritual work, and you know, uh, that's where I come from. So yeah, I do Akashic Record, and I'm a Reiki master teacher, and all. So I and I brought this in here because there were signs from everywhere. I feel like when I took that step, when I get got out of that, you know, the fear mode. Yeah. And I had the. I took that step with courage. Yeah. Must have been liberating, scary, but liberating. supported me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And all these signs, like I had in a city like New York, you know, um, I had heard, like, be careful, you know, you see African people, yeah. you know, you know, because this is also, these are times when 
you couldn't trust Manhattan. Yeah. Like, you know, like people get getting mugged of and course. whatnot. And yeah. I was alone and out and about for the first time, you know, in my life in place like that. There was a lady, um, you know, there was those phones where you put a coin in. Yeah, those of phones, yeah, the yeah. phone was not working. And there was it's such a nice lady. Don't know who she was, but, you know, if she's listening, I every day, you know, I bless people who have been angels in my life. I yeah. call them angels. Yeah. She actually gave me her cell phone to oh, make wow. a call. There you go. So yeah. how we've got to wrap up amazingly. How are we gonna I don't know how we're gonna do that in the next few minutes, but how what happened after New York? You came back and then you went back again. New York opened your eyes to the, the, the world out yes. there. From New York I went back to India because I went back with four thousand oh, dollars. I saved the wow. money. Wow. And four thousand dollars goes a long way in India. Yes, yes. Wow. And that is how I put those fixed deposits in my daughter's names. I paid for the lawyer's fee. And when I went back to the court, I, you know, the judge wanted the father to do it. But I was like, you know, it doesn't matter as long as there's money put aside for them. So this, I gave the paper for the fixed deposits because he wanted the proof. And that is how my divorce came through. And the beauty of it, and again, science and how the universe supports you. I got divorced on International Women's Day. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's an amazing piece of timing, isn't it? That's yes. incredible. So how are your, um, how soon after New York, then you went back and then how soon after that did you come to uh, Canada oh, to start your new life? I came back the next year. So next once year. all this was done, yeah. uh, you know, the divorce and all of yeah. that was taken care of, I, I came to Canada. Yeah. And how are you, just quickly, how are your daughters? How are they, how are they? Are they thriving? Is there, has there been any memory or, or like trauma of what they went through? Or were they, do you think they were too young? Or do you think there's stuff in there? Oh, no, um, they went through trauma. And in between, once I, uh, so I came here, became a student here in Canada. And because I was not prepared for that, I was just out and about to see, you know, what is opening up and, you know, how I can come out and bring my daughters out. I went back after a year studying here in Canada. Mm. I went back and at that time I had to put them in a boarding school. Mm. So the boarding school itself was a trauma because wow, now yeah. they were with my parents. So yeah. from both parents to one parent wow. to grandparents wow, and then yeah. that's, that's a lot. Suddenly you were like. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yes. My mum came so, as a teenager. Yeah. My mum came from Egypt to England and then went to a very, very strict English boarding school. And she said it was yeah. horrific, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they had their boarding school and they really felt like, you know, they were on their own. Nobody else. So they had to fend for themselves. So when they joined me here in Canada, they joined me here in um, nine, 2002. Right. They joined me in Canada. And there was a lot of trauma. So, mm. you know, it was like working through that relationship because even though they were small, they were in elementary school, mm. even though they were small, that feeling of being let down, mm. the feeling of being abandoned mm. because they didn't understand. Of course. That moving forward, like now they both are have done, um, they have their degrees in, in psychology. Incredible. Both of them. <laughs> Incredible. And they are, they are such beautiful, sensitive, 
human beings. They are fighting for causes that yeah. they hold dear. And coming from that place, they have a lot of respect for single parents. Yeah, of course. Wow. And look, I have to say this. They, I am completely, I feel so blessed. I'm so adored. They, they spoil me rotten. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, I think they appreciate you and what you did for them. You fought for them. You fought for them, you know? You, they, could have, they could have grown up in a, in a torn, angry, violent, abusive family. And, you know, you should be proud of yourself. Yeah, and I'm really, I think I'm more proud of myself when I see who they have become. Yeah. Because, you know, even after doing all of this, if, you know, they didn't turn out to be good humans, then I think all of this would have gone based. Like, that's exactly. how I look at Exactly, it. yeah. We have to go. We have to wrap up. I have to get my, my day job going now, this, such as the life of an early morning podcaster. Um, this has been the most... I'm sure there's more, by the way. We can have you back for episode two. Boom, 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 boom. But in the me- it's, it's just been an absolute dream, this episode. I can't wait to share it with everybody. We will have information about you, your coaching, your Reiki, whatever you choose. We'll have all the links on our show notes. So listeners, if you're listening to this right now, uh, I always used to say, if when you're listening to this, but of course, if people are listening to it, they're listening to it right now because it will already be live. I'll get there one day. I've only been doing this for three years. Um, <laughs> and we'll have all the links where people can find you, any social and things like that. Um, and it just remains for me to say this is just thank you. You've really, you've inspired my morning. Um, and I've had a nice cup of coffee while we've been chatting. And it's just been absolutely wonderful, Bavia. Oh, Luke, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so very much. If, if... I feel that's my purpose. You know how we turn our pain into our purpose. There's so many people who are going through so much. And when we are going through it, we feel we are alone. We feel, feel, you know, it's very tough. Like we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm a living example of it. And I always say, if I can do it, anyone can, because I did not know I had the strength in me. Yeah. I think it's the inspi- that's the inspiration, isn't it? And that's why I do this podcast, you know. And my, my partner um, in the podcast, Kyle, we've been through some shit and, and nearly, you know, nearly ended it all as a result of it. You know, I did. And here I am to tell the story and it's inspiring for others. So thank you again yeah. and let's stay in touch. Thank you so very much, Luke.